This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart and you're listening to the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. Let's join our guests for Wednesday. It's Oanda Senior Market Analyst in London, Craig Earlham and Trader Nick in the United States. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Hey, Johnny. Let's look ahead first to tomorrow and a very important CPI coming up from the United States. Of course, it's very important because depending on the figure, that may give a very good indication as to what happens with rates going forward, particularly in March. Nick, can I ask you first, what are markets predicting in terms of the number? What would be good and what would be bad as far as the future of interest rates? Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot riding on this number. Uh, Pretty much this whole week has been tuned towards paying attention ahead to the CPI number. It matters so much because we've seen inflation come down. But if you actually look at it in the past few months, we've sort of reached where inflation has been able to get pretty stubbornly holding at near that 3% level. And the reason I bring that up is that we discussed that in the last time CPI came around. We talked about, you know, are we going to reach a threshold that we struggle to get below. Again, the Fed has a mandate that they want to get to 2%. We are currently sitting uh, above 3% and forecasts, as you mentioned, they're at 3.2%. Previously, we were at 3.1%. So there's this slight expectation that we could see a tick up. The reason it is so important is that if we're going to get these March rate cuts that many people are calling for, this it's going to be make it or break it, I think, with this inflation number, because this is going to either rule out the idea. If we get hot reading, a hot reading, it's less likely to be in March. And if we get a cooler than expected reading, then markets are going to probably focus in on a March potential rate cut. It is huge for interest rates because, of course, the Fed has talked about three interest rate cuts this year. But as we know and discuss on the podcast frequently, we are looking for you know the, the Fed, if they say uh, something, they're usually being defensive in the narrative. But they've also reiterated over and over that they're very data dependent. So this is the data that they're going to be looking at this. And of course, they love their core PCE as well, which we'll get later on. But again, you have CPI on Thursday and the PPI, the producer side of things on Friday. Um, I think it will also be interesting to watch uh, the core CPI as well on Thursday very closely. We've seen a lot of fluctuations in the price of energy. Oil's been all over the place. Um, and, and since we've last spoken, there was even a side piece with Saudi Arabia lowering their prices due to um, demand, uh, kind of lack of demand for certain areas. So I think that that could be very, very interesting watching going forward. Of course, that won't necessarily impact uh, the CPI numbers here this time around. Um, but perhaps in future episodes, we'll be talking a little bit more about the oil side of things as uh, that kind of took out the floor a little bit for the oil market, which of course, when talking inflation matters quite substantially, um, both on the the headline, but also on the core side as well. Core, of course, uh, inflationary, I'm sorry, energy prices can actually trickle down uh, to the rest of the economy. So That will be interesting to watch uh, going forward. But again, for this particular um, CPI report, I think it's so important because it's going to make or break uh, the estimations on on when that first rate cut that we've been talking about is actually going to materialize. So that, I think, is why markets are paying so close attention to it. Ahead of the CPI, uh, we've seen uh, the indices doing quite well in the US. We've seen 
<clears throat> the dollar kind of chopping around this week, definitely just waiting for some confirmation. But it is interesting to note that the indices are advancing ahead of this number while the dollar is kind of just staying flatlined. Um, you know, for the currency side of things, there's been a little bit of uh, a stagnation. Meanwhile, um, you know, indices doing all right. But I think it will be coming down to the wire again for a lot of these markets that are watching this inflation report uh, to get potential confirmation or denial of trends that have started to form uh, in the new year. Again, I, I think it's it's huge because it kind of sets things up uh, for the first half of, of 2024. Um, Craig, what do you think about, do you think, is that over overestimating the, the importance of this number or is, do you think that's pretty fair to say? No, I think it's pretty fair to say. I think we've got to remember that the US inflation number is one of the biggest economic releases we get each month. When we talk about the major events in the US, there's the Fed meeting, there's the NFP or the jobs report and the inflation and arguably inflation is the most important. The Fed for a long time didn't believe it could get inflation back to target without a weaker labor market. But actually what we're seeing the evidence prove now is that inflation is coming down. And a lot of the indicators are coming down back towards something that is consistent with inflation returning to 2% target, while the labor market isn't red hot, but it remains in pretty healthy condition. So it all now hangs on the inflation data. And when we're talking about the Fed potentially cutting interest rates in March, that makes this CPI number incredibly important. There's only a couple of reports now before we do get that March decision. Based on the Fed's dot plot, they clearly view that the first rate cut may come in June and then maybe one per quarter for the end of the year. But that could change uh, if we do see inflation continuing to decline. And as you've alluded to, the consensus uh, forecast for this uh, report suggests we're not going to see an enormous amount of change, 0.1% higher on the headline number. The monthly figures are still going to stay uh, where they were previously. But we've been surprised before, so let's wait and see how this data does come out. If we get a CPI monthly reading of 0.1 again, for example, then I think you could see a big response in the markets. But if we see a core reading, say, above the 0.3% expected or below, then I think we could get a big response as well. The core is ultimately the most important. The headline probably writes the most headlines, uh, should we say. So it, it will be interesting. There's plenty of scope for surprises, but based on where markets are positioned and what the consensus is, it seems as though markets are positioning for a month of relatively unchanged data from the US, which is kind of neither good or bad. It doesn't really set the stage for a March rate cut, but it also doesn't push it back either. So it could be a really interesting report. It could be one that's quickly forgotten. It's going to be uh, interesting to find out, but it's quite clearly at the same time, the main event this week. Meanwhile, I wondered if we could talk about what happened yesterday with uh, cryptocurrency, where we saw Bitcoin jump briefly after a post on the United States markets regulators uh, X account, which said it had approved uh, new so-called exchange traded funds, ETFs, in the cryptocurrency. But then this X tweet was then deleted by the SEC a bit later on, who said the account had been compromised. Uh, what do we know as to what went on there, Craig? And what are we expecting to hear from the SEC at some point today? Well, first and foremost, are you allowed to say X without saying formerly known as Twitter? Because I think that seems to be the thing now. It's kind of like uh, this symbol formerly known as Prince. I thought I'd buck the trend. It did occur to me to do that. But then I just thought, no, I think we know what it is by now. <laughs> 
So yeah, the X account, formerly known as Twitter, of the SEC did announce that an ETF had been approved. And there's two interesting things from this, right? Because people are talking a lot about the fact there may be an announcement today. So by the time you're listening to this podcast, there may have been an announcement one way or another. The SEC said, uh, and Gary Gensler uh, actually tweeted, that uh, the account had been compromised. Now, I'm not really sure what that means. Does that mean hacked? Or does it mean that someone within the SEC has tweeted this out? And does this mean that this tweet has come out because it was wrong uh, or that someone's tried to manipulate the market? Or does it mean that someone's put this tweet in to be scheduled to be announced and they've actually hit effectively send rather than schedule? It's hard to really know at this stage exactly what has actually happened. But what is maybe more interesting than what has caused this series of events to happen and whether it's actually a reflection of what's happened is the price didn't move that much. The price yesterday jumped from maybe 45,000, maybe 46,000 to 47 to 48,000. It wasn't an exactly an enormous spike. The high on the day is shy of 48,000. The low on the day is shy of 45,000. So it's not like we're talking about a massive range here. Potentially that gives us some insight into what could happen when the announcement does come. If we do see an announcement, that an ETF has been approved, does that mean that this is all baked in to the markets and that everything is as it was? Uh, does it mean that we're going to see a buy the rumor, sell the fact event? Or does it mean that Maybe people didn't quite believe the tweet or, or that Gary Gensler was very quick to come out and uh, and say otherwise. It, it's hard to know. Um, but I think what was really interesting is we didn't see a bigger reaction in the price of Bitcoin itself in response to that tweet uh, from the SEC. So we'll see if we get an announcement today and if it proves to be that that tweet was actually accurate, if not just premature, uh, and what that ultimately means going forward. Because there's a couple of things that I think cryptocurrencies rely on. It's events like this. I mean, we saw with the kind of futures contract all those years ago, and that seemed to become a very big buy the rumor, sell the fact event. But also, so it needs big events like this to look forward to. And you've got to question, what's the next one? Is it the Bitcoin halving event? And what's after that? What is it that traders have to look forward to, these big bullish catalyst events? Uh, so that's one thing that we will soon know the answer to. And the other thing as well is, what does it ultimately mean? How many ETFs are going to be approved? Are they going to approve all of them in one go? Are they going to reject them all in one go? Are they going to be more selective? And what does that mean for how many ETFs may ultimately be approved as well? There's there's lots of unanswered questions now, but it does seem like we're now close to the point where we are going to get at least a few answers in the short term. Yeah, definitely good points there, Craig. And it will be interesting to see how that unfolds. And you mentioned many ETFs are, of course, applying for this role. We'll see how many or which ones do get added to uh, the offerings list for traders. I think we'll, what will also be interesting too is you mentioned the buy the news, sell the fact kind of thing, that the rumor, sell the fact. That The thing is, however, I wonder, I keep hearing that over and over. I, a part of me wonders with that, is it in fact actually just a buy the rumor and hold the news event? Because it's almost like so many people are saying, sell the release of this and uh, you know people are going to be able to short the asset on grand scale. I wonder if almost this argument that I've heard, and I'm, I'm piggybacking off of actually Kathy Wood uh, made some comments about uh, the, the subject. She mentioned that if it becomes at any level a household product for institutional traders to hold on behalf of, of their investors, right? Um, funds holding on to just a little bit of Bitcoin exposure. Even some small um, ad adaptation, I don't even know if that's a word, right? Adaptation of this product into portfolios, the massive demand that that would actually create 
for uh, the Bitcoin ETF could be very interesting to watch out for. Um, I've been pretty, pretty transparent. This is not necessarily my area of expertise, and we do our best to cover as much as we can on these things. But I do wonder that if that could have a big impact on um, the product itself. It's almost like validating it enough to add it to 401k offerings and things like that. It's, it's a crazy idea. Uh, but it just might be, you know, just a little bit of demand from a lot of places could really change the landscape for cryptocurrency in general. Um, I wasn't actually looking at markets at the time when they dropped like the gold and oil ETFs to the markets, but it definitely offers convenience and accessibility to people who do want to invest in these products. So I'm very curious to see how it all shapes up. Very interesting. Thank you very much, uh, Nick. And thank you to Craig as well. We'll speak to you again on Friday. Have a good evening. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.